0: this is rachel mcelroy
1: hello this is griffin mcelroy
0: and this is wonderful
1: this is wonderful this is the podcast wonderful if you were trying to listen to a different podcast like uh i don't know s town weird why would somebody be listening it's 2020 (laughs) but anyway you've clicked on the wrong thing this one's about things that me and and my wife rachel we really like things that we're into things that are good things that you might be into also probably not and maybe you don't know it yet no rachel and i are into some pretty hip like obscure shit <laughs> sometimes we talk about it one time rachel talked about like rye bread like who's t- who's into rye bread nobody it's- i
0: believe you're thinking of pumpernickel oh damn it Which is pretty, I mean, that's a pretty obscure word. That's even deeper than
1: rye, (laughs) I would argue. Uh, Sorry that we're late. It's been, uh, I mean, it's weird. It's not like there's been one thing this week. It's not like, oh, no, I dropped my computer in the toilet again. It's Mm -hmm. just life, life, man. Life happened, I guess. Mm -hmm. Nobody cares. No one cares, (laughs) I guess. Do you have any small wonders?
0: Um, I'm going to say the seasoning that is found on an Everything Bagel.
1: Oh, you mean everything then?
0: Yeah, I guess everything. Just all
1: of it? Is what is that? Let wonder. me see how much poppy seeds, sesame seeds. What's it? What else is on there?
0: Salt. Salt. You know, you got the, the onion garlic situation. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful.
1: A little bit of furikake on there. Oh, yeah. A little, a little, <laughs> there's all kinds of fun some, stuff. Some
0: chili flake.
1: Uh, And some arsenic. And uh, and there's light bulbs. It's everything. Mm. It shouldn't be. There's some of that stuff. You shouldn't keep eating those yeah. until they can be more specific about it. Probably is kind of risky. What's your small wonder? The heating pad that we have. I've hurt my back. And I find that there's a lot of things that when you have an ache or a pain on your body, which I want to do, a lot of different ways to try and address that. It's pastes, salves, ungents. Creams, uh But the only thing that gets in there and seems to get the damn job done is the heating pad.
0: I have to constantly remind Griffin that this is a thing.
1: Yeah, it's this true. This is a thing
0: that we have had for a very long time now. Everyone has one. And Griffin keeps using these stick-on patches. Useless. Like a fool.
1: Like a dum-dum. They don't do and nothing. And I say,
0: you know what? We have something that plugs into the wall that is much hotter.
1: Uh, yeah. I need it right now. I'm still in a tremendous amount of discomfort. <laughs> It sucks. I was telling Rachel yesterday. I don't feel. I don't like feeling like a 150 year old man, which I always do. When particularly I
0: particularly her- because you can't identify. I didn't
1: do anything. <laughs> it's not like I just helped my friend move. As far as I can tell, like I put my creamer in my coffee and I started going up the stairs and I took one step up the <laughs> stairs and was like, nope. Anyway, uh, I go first this week. I have okay. two food things. I was prepping the second thing and I realized, like, when I was almost done with it, like, oh damn, that's another food thing uh so i guess i'll just go ahead and start out with maple syrup which is so interesting maple syrup because it's one of the few things that i've brought to the show one of the few foodstuffs i can think of where when you need it when you want it (laughs)
0: like
1: you gotta have it and the absence of it in that moment is so painful and so like just soul crushing and meal ruining like if you make pancakes and it's like hey everybody it's pancake sunday i have a bunch of different types of pancakes now let's pour that good golden brown juice on it that sugar juice let's pour that right on it and you don't have it it's like what's the fucking point but on the inverse as soon as you have consumed it on a breakfast meal you don't the smell of it makes you want a (laughs) yard's
0: When I met Griffin, he was existing in an economy where maple syrup was something that one needed. Yes, four to five bottles of it any time. Well,
1: it, this is a this I knew bringing this would bring upon me even more derision. Just so comical. Every time I went <laughs> to the grocery store, I would have to ask the question: Do we need maple syrup? And it's not even that we were eating a ton of it. It's just the idea of not having it when you need it. <laughs>
0: Right. Am I the only
1: one that's like, no, it's fair. Like, I feel a tightness. I feel a tightness in my chest and my gut.
0: If I were to sit down with a waffle or a pancake, there is no substitution. No. that would scratch that itch.
1: And I've had to. Oh, God, we've all been there where you take some honey and you put a little food coloring in it and maybe water it down <laughs> a little bit. And you're like, I made syrup. Or you go out to a tree and you just start hitting it and hitting it and hitting it <laughs> and hoping the good juice will come out. But it doesn't work that way. It works almost that way. I've done some research into maple <laughs> syrup and and uh, learned a lot. Uh, but it's it's uh, I love it. I love it so much except for when I don't want it and then yeah. I smell it. And it's like, what is that smell? And it's it's kind of a curse because when you're eating the food with the maple syrup on it, you're like, fuck yeah, this is amazing. This is so sweet. Why am I not eating this all the time? But then even if you don't like get it all over yourself, the aroma kind of lingers, I feel like. I can always tell when a person has just eaten syrupy breakfast Mm. foods.
0: I mean, it is sticky, just at its core. And that stickiness keeps it around, for sure.
1: I guess so. I've always enjoyed maple syrup. I've always been a big fan of it. We used to go... I mean, my family used to go on a lot of road trips. We were a family of, of five. And, you know, we went to the same, like, three beaches my entire childhood. So we took road trips... Just constantly, like a couple a year, and we would always hit the Cracker Barrel. And I would always get those little glass bottles of syrup that they had mm, at yeah. Cracker Barrel, partially because I liked the syrup, but also because, hey, free glass bottle. That was always <laughs> so seductive to me. Because then I could pretend that they were little potions or whatever.
0: Oh, that's nice. It
1: was really, really nice. Uh, and I, I just, I've always enjoyed it, unsurprisingly, come from tree come from tree it comes from a few different types of trees uh and of course quebec is the largest producer of syrup in the world do you want to guess what percentage of the world's maple syrup quebec just not canada just quebec produces
0: what percentage Uh, 79
1: 70 percent of the world's maple syrup comes from quebec (laughs) and i like that a lot i mean it all comes from sort of the northeastern uh north american sort of region uh, the definition of maple syrup is also usually like very restrictive. There are very like tight guidelines that I'll go into here in a little bit. That Canada and the the and America, what the USDA, the Food and Drug Administration or whatever, have like gotten together across. Country collabo on like determining what maple syrup is, what grade it yeah. can be. you
0: know, I feel like around these parts you hear about Vermont a lot when it comes. Oh to yeah, Vermont. Maple syrup. I
1: mean, Vermont's big in the game. Yeah. Uh, but in order for something to be called maple syrup, obviously it has to be almost entirely made from maple sap from maple trees. And there's a few different maple like tree specimens that you can get that good syrup from. There's other types of syrups, like you can get a uh, walnut tree syrup, you can get palm tree Syrup, but I don't know what those taste like. They may be very, very good. Maple sap has like an extremely high sugar concentrate compared to other saps. And so that is why it gets the flavor that it has. Uh, and also there's like various, I, I didn't write down the exact kinds, but there's different types of maple trees and certain ones have like certain production schedules that can change the flavor of them. Uh, and that, that is, that is where you get this sort of different, mm, the different notes, the different, uh, the different tones. This one has tobacco, rich tobacco (laughs) Uh, uh Indigenous communities in, in Northeastern North America were the first to make uh, maple syrup and maple sugar and though like the process has become obviously much more industrialized since then like it hasn't actually changed all that much. The basics are you tap a maple tree and the maple tree has got to be between 30 and 40 years old in order to start like producing that good sap but once it is making that sap it can produce a lot of it uh, it can make what is it up to 12 liters per day Wow. That's like a that's like a juicy boy. When you tap on them juicy boys and it just like comes douching <laughs> out, it's like, wow, this is this is a juicy boy. And then can they can keep making that good syrup until they're well over a hundred years old. So you get once you get a good tree, once you get that investment, you're you're on the roller coaster baby for a good sixty, seventy years that's of delicious incredible. maple syrup production. Uh you get this app, right, and you boil it down. Without adding anything, no chemicals, nothing else like goes into the process because it is an extremely finicky process, maple syrup production. Uh, You boil it down and you have to concentrate it down like pretty dramatically, depending on the season and the type of tree that you get it from. Uh, You are boiling it down from a 20 to 1 to a 50 to 1 ratio. So, 50 parts of the sap that you get, you concentrate down to one part. And that is the maple syrup. And there's not really a whole lot else to it than that. You have to uh, filter it out to get the uh, sugar sand. There's like a chemical term for it. But uh, this like gritty substance in the syrup, you have to like filter it to get that out. But then that's basically syrup. That's basically it. Uh, You have to be so careful, though, because if you boil it too much or at too high a heat or just like you get some part of the preparation process wrong, it crystallizes. And in like the flash of a second, like it's ruined. Uh, if you don't, reduce it enough it can be super liquidy and if it's too liquidy obviously the consistency and, and texture is on but also it will spoil very 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 fast wow. because of the liquid that's in it um there's also like the same things i don't know if you've ever like been involved in any sort of like beer homebrewing process before but it's like very like breaking bad like there's a lot of different points of failure along the way that can happen because uh you know you're messing with fermentation you're using a lot of different sort of metallic equipment that can sort of impart a metallic taste into the beer or whatever it is that you're making if you do it the wrong way the same is true of of syrup uh in this case like you don't want it to ferment any sort of like the smallest sort of micro organic like flaw in the syrup uh that introduces fermentation into the process is just like that that Batches is scooked that, that makes batch sense, is no good syrup
0: lasts forever like syrup is one of those things that you can like keep for like a year and it is fine
1: exactly yeah and also like if you get the sap from a tree at the wrong part in the life cycle to get the sap from it for instance if the tree has started to bud then it's like it Whoa. it puts a weird stink on the flavor that is not necessarily pleasant uh, so like it is an extremely finicky process and the way that they grade it sort of reflects that there are three grades of maple syrup uh, that again uh, America and Canada boom got together and said let's let's make this shit top tier grade a is the best you can get that's got the golden color and delicate taste amber color and rich taste a dark color and robust taste or a very dark color and a strong taste any of those can be grade a any difference in the color the taste not being compatible, the texture being off in some way. Then it gets bumped down to processing grade. I don't know what that means. Ooh. I think it means like we're going to send you back to the lab or we can use you as a cooking ingredient and certain other things. It's like huh. a cooking line. The grade below that, substandard. Get that, sh- get that shit out of you. I wouldn't put substandard syrup on my worst enemy's waffles. This
0: makes me want to look at those like Mrs. Butterworth situations to see kind of like... Where they're where they're scoring at, you know.
1: I mean, if it's being sold in the U.S., it's grade A. If it's being sold in the U.S. or Canada, like most of the like uh, uh, like commercially available products, that's yeah. grade A. They're not going to sell. They're I not going to sell wonder, grade like, B
0: You know, it's kind of like cheese food. If there is like maple syrup, but instead it's called like like. Tree drink, and that oh, way they get around that's the fun. like the scoring. Maybe you know tree if you drink. look closely at your at your off-brand syrup, yeah.
1: cover cover your French toast in tree drink. <laughs> uh, also, the terminology for like uh, the manufacturing, like farms where uh syrup is made is very good i had heard the term i think probably from riverdale uh sugar shack that's where the actual boiling takes place and it's a building with like a specific sort of arched roof design to like lower condensation or whatever uh maple farms are called sugar bushes that's very strong that's that's very powerful uh yeah that's it i've been craving pancakes lately and it's got me like we have joking aside we have syrup in this house right now, right? If I needed it?
0: Yes. Okay. Uh, we should do breakfast for dinner. We should do a little Brenner.
1: Ooh, a little Yule Brenner it's in that house. While. Henry would lose it for that. That would I be think so. so good. Let's do that. Okay. Not tonight, though. Oh. This spaghetti night. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thursday nights are spaghetti
1: night, and you know this.
0: Can I share my first thing? You can. It relates a little bit to your little glass bottle.
1: Oh, fantastic!
0: Uh, in that, my first thing is sea glass. Sea glass, yeah. yeah. Uh, sea glass
1: is really cool. We I have, have some.
0: Yeah, I did not really uh, have any exposure to this in the wild. I mean, I have not been to a lot of beaches. It's probably not too uncommon for people that grow up in the Midwest. Like my summers were not. Big beach trips, typically, because you could not get there in a car very easily. Was well,
1: you do Silver Dollar City most of the time? I
0: mean, yeah, Lake of the Ozarks was kind of the closest. Ooh,
1: love <laughs> it. A lot of cures are a lot, a of, lot la- of lakes. A lot of lakes. Yeah. A lot of saltwater
0: taffy. I'm guessing. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Hundred percent. Um, but it was when we went to Hong Kong. Yes. That we went to the beach and there was just tons of sea glass and I thought like, oh, here it is. We found it. This is the stuff.
1: It's on this one beach in Hong Kong.
0: I'd never like seen it outside of, you know, like little little hobby shops, you know? It's weird seeing
1: glass in the wild that's different colors that's not from broken bigger things, huh?
0: <laughs> well, and I think for a long time, I thought it was like, I thought it was like a kind of shell I didn't realize that it was just actually glass from glass bottles. I thought it was like, you know, like a colloquial name for some kind of sea creature.
1: (laughs) Wait, is it glass from glass bottles? Sea glass? Yeah. Sea glass is just broken glass from glass bottles? Yeah. It's not like glass that got formed somehow, like under like the pressure. I thought it was like sand. It's okay, good.
0: It's not just me. No, it's litter.
1: Oh. (laughs) That's a bummer.
0: (laughs) I thought it was like a nice thing. But it's just trash. It's just trash.
1: Okay But I mean it's,
0: it's gorgeous.
1: So no, it's not it's trash. So when I find little brown shards of sea glass, that's just like somebody's fucking Miller what? light uh-huh. bottle that they just like smashed against the side of their boat uh-huh. in the the, the the Bay of Hong Kong.-huh That's a bummer.
0: Yeah, so, here, so here's the thing with sea glass. So it takes 20 to 40 years to make, sometimes as much as 100 years, because what happens is the weathering process in the water is what frosts it. And this is specifically uh, salt water. There's also something called beach glass, which is fresh water. Okay. But when you talk about sea glass, you're talking about salt water. Uh, and that's how you get the kind of the smooth edges and the frosted color. Um, and it, it kind of rounds. Right. You know, so you just don't generally. cut your feet mm-hmm. on somebody's
1: old Natty Light
0: bottles. The most common colors are green, brown, white, and clear, which is mostly from beer, juice, and soft drink bottles. Uh, and then just like, you know, windows and glasses. Sure. Yeah. Um, there is, I've never been there, obviously. My first sea glass exposure I mentioned was in Hong Kong, but there is a... A, um, a beach called Glass Beach in uh, Fort Bragg, California, that was once a trash dump. And so it has a bunch of broken bottles uh, on the beach, but you are not allowed to remove any glass from Glass Beach.
1: Well, then it would just be called Beach. <laughs> I think that's a good policy.
0: Um, a lot of these colors are becoming more and more rare because as you know, like you don't see as many glass bottles as you used to in the like 1950s and 60s.
1: Sure. I guess there's no like great sea aluminum that everybody's talking about.
0: <laughs> or plastic, for yeah, example. Yeah, sure. Um, so there are a lot of like ways to kind of date the, the glass based on the color because of whether or not it was made. So for example, there is a specific... Kind of green that comes from the early to mid 1900s that was found in Coca-Cola, Dr. Pepper and RC Cola bottles. Huh. Uh, and then there's even more rare colors um, like gray and pink, which often come from like Great Depression era plates. Whoa. Um You'll find yellow from like 1930s Vaseline containers and red from old Schlitz bottles. Uh, so that's what I thought was kind of cool. This idea, like you're walking along the beach and you're seeing these different colors, and you can kind of date how old it is based on the color. Yeah, it is
1: interesting. Yeah. I'm thinking of like ale eight. Aren't those like green bottles in ale eight?
0: You know what ale eight is? I does? don't know what you're saying.
1: Oh, okay. Never mind.
0: What is that a type? It's of like beverage?
1: A, It's a yeah. It's a beverage, I believe, in the American South uh the carolinas i believe has ale eight uh and it's fine (laughs) 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 it's it's fine it's like their slogan i think it's in the i think it uh, it may or may not be in like it's definitely in the cheer wine genre it may be the same like manufacturer
0: okay um you'll see other colors like cornflower blue which are from milk of magnesia bottles uh vicks vapor rub Uh, An aqua from ball mason jars. Um, So there's, you know, all the different colors kind of attach it to a different bottle, a different time period. So we
1: break the glass and throw it in the ocean or into a river that dumps into the ocean. And
0: 40 years later.
1: And the ocean like glazes it and softens Mm -hmm. it so it's not dangerous anymore and then spits it back up on the beach. Mm -hmm. Like, don't do it again.
0: And you can obviously, I mean, just, you know, like the, there are rock tumblers, for example, like you can do this outside of the ocean, which is probably a lot of what you're seeing in your craft stores. Yeah, sure. But uh, but yeah, so what we did when we went to Hong Kong is I scooped a little bit of this and brought it home with us. And it's just kind of neat to have this little souvenir. Yeah.
1: And you did your part to, I guess, clean, clean it, yeah. the environment.
0: Yeah, but don't do that at Glass, don't glass
1: do Beach. Don't do that at Glass Beach. They
0: want to keep it there.
1: They like it there. Mm-hmm. It's their favorite glass. Mm-hmm. Can I steal you away? Yeah. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, There's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis website design
0: To get 50% off.
1: Do we have jumbotrons? We do. Exquisite.
0: Uh, This first one is for future Becca from past Becca. Hey, future Becca. I know the first half of 2020 has been rough, but guess what? You're 25 now and it's time to dust yourself off and kick some ass. Hopefully by now you've written a good chunk of your novel and you're working hard to get into grad school. But no matter what, I'm proud of you. Give Fitzroy a kiss for me. Love past Becca.
1: Now, is that referencing uh, a per? I don't. I, it, it is uh, ego maniacal for me to assume that's talking about the character I play on Adventures. Oh, Zone
0: do you now. think it's based on uh, Fitzroy Stevenson, the uh, famous attorney, or uh, there have been other
1: Fitzroys.
0: Fitzroy? Fitzroy Jewelson, the jeweler.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love his stuff, man. <laughs> Necklace. <laughs> Bracelet, so good. Uh, Here's one that is for Amanda. It's from Dustin, who says, Happy second anniversary. Thanks for being the best wife and introducing me to the wonders uh, like Survivor Disney running videos and McRoy Podcast. You inspire me every day to be the best person I can be. Also, thanks for letting me adopt the first cat we tried fostering. Sorry I wouldn't let you wait for one with a human face. I mean, we're all waiting on that, huh? We're all just... Hoping and praying. (laughs) Um, Hey, you think they're making Survivor right now? Oh, man. You can't quarantine harder than Survivor on a remote island. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they can't do the, like, they probably can't go to, like, the Ponderosa.
0: What if everything is Survivor, like, in the future? Like, Top Chef also just happens to be a bunch of people. It's just also Survivor, right.
1: (laughs) But then they don't, if it's Top Chef, they probably don't have the reward challenge where they go to the Outback Steakhouse sort of like victory lounge because that seems below them in some ways.
0: Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And we host Round Round Springfield. Round Springfield is a new Simpsons podcast that is Simpsons adjacent. Mm -hmm. Um, In its topic, we talk to Simpsons writers, directors, voiceover actors, you name it, about non-Simpsons things that they've done because, surprise, they're all extremely talented. Absolutely. For example, David X. Cohen worked on The Simpsons but then created a little show called Futurama. Mm -hmm. That's our very first episode. So tune in for stuff like that with Yardley Smith with Tim Long with different writers and voice actors it's going to be so much fun and we are every other week on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts
1: I want to talk about my second thing it's another food thing and I'm very excited about it it's the one we were downstairs earlier today and I was like I don't have my second thing and you're like yeah it can be tough sometimes and I was like oh now I have it it's a bolt of lightning powerful bolt of lightning it is the communal seafood boil it is the my favorite, like a crawfish boil or shrimp boil.
0: How did this come to you this morning? Yeah,
1: I don't know. It's not like we were. It's not like we. <laughs> I opened up the cabinet and a bunch of old bay <laughs> fell out and like went all over I thought my it face. It, it's
0: something you had specifically seen in the fridge when you opened it.
1: No, we don't have shrimp. We do not have uh, corn. We do not have crab. We do not have crawfish. We do not have any of the constituent ingredients typically found in a seafood boil um but man there are very few sort of social eating events that excite me more than the communal seafood boil and also probably there are a few that would be more irresponsible in the current sort of uh global quarantine climate that we all find ourselves in so it's really harkening back to a better uh simpler time uh, and i've only been party to maybe like a
0: dozen, maybe
1: fewer than a dozen. Yeah,
0: I was going to ask you about that because my only exposure to this came when I moved to Texas. Texas, we do it right. Anywhere the the Gulf
1: Coast region is known for it, but really most coastal regions of the United yeah. States have some sort of variation of the of the seafood boil. Uh, Typically, like the 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 protein involved differs based on where you live and what the time of year is, and you know what the traditional seafood boil ingredient is. Uh, a lot of mine came from Mr. Tommy Smurl, who is a an academic of the Low Country boil, uh, which is typically the the genre of boil that you get in South Carolina, Georgia, the Low Country. You know the Low Country. Uh, But yeah, we've done it a few times here in Texas using various things. uh, And I've been to one in New Orleans that was like a proper crawfish boil that was like the best, like genuinely quite spicy, uh crawfish it was at a friend of a friend's house where like i didn't really know anybody and that is the ideal situation to find yourself at a crawfish boil because it's like a nice you kind of have to let your guard down and there it's there's a weird mutually agreed upon suspension of dining etiquette that happens uh at a crawfish boil but also like I am going to eat like a weird jackal man, and I don't <laughs> necessarily want to do that in front of people who are going to see me the next day. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, no,
0: that's a good point. I, I have difficulty, as you know, with with a messy food. Yeah, uh, sure. Because it's hard for me to enjoy the experience while my hands just get grosser and grosser. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I will say that this is an example that um, I'm okay with.
1: Yeah, it's you kind of have to be, or else why are you here? You shouldn't this also, have come here. Also, like,
0: to this. it's not physically possible to really do it with a knife and fork. You know, like the well, detail no, work required. A,
1: a, one of the like components of a seafood boil is that there are no utensils. Like, mm. maybe like if you're doing crab, you can do some cracking cracking yeah. things. But I've, I, you know, I, you know me, I don't need those. <laughs> my hands are crab crackers. I turn them. I, I can turn my thumbs into a powerful seafood destroying fulcrum uh but yeah so again like it the recipe differs based on where you you live in louisiana it is an old 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 like cajun cooking tradition uh where crawfish more often than not is customary uh and particularly in the spring this is where like crawfish boils really pop off because crawfish are plentiful and like dirt cheap In like really, really productive seasons, it can range anywhere from like 99 cents to a buck fifty a pound. Uh, for crawfish and so that's why uh you know uh colleges in in new orleans and louisiana will do like huge campus-wide crawfish boils where they will bring in just metric tons of them i didn't know that yeah it's like a big like graduation like post-finals like thing at a few different colleges down there well probably not anymore (laughs) probably not these (laughs) days probably not right now but one day we'll we'll get on back there Uh, And, you know, in the in the Northeast, uh, you see a lot more shrimp and crab uh, and, you know, different sort of ingredients. Low country boil. It is very customary to use like red potatoes and, you know, little onions and sausage. Uh, but sausage can or cannot be in, you know, uh, a crawfish boil in, in Louisiana. It's You get a little bit more variety there. But typically you do get the pre-made sort of packet of boil seasonings, which is just this like witch's brew of different things. Uh, you get Old Bay, of course, uh, cayenne, hot sauce, lemons, bay leaf. Does anyone really know what bay leaf is? does i've used bay leaf in Sony ingredients now and you put it in and it's like this is now this will impart the good bay leaf flavor yeah
0: it's always for soaking and then i had heard that you're like not supposed to eat it
1: and so it feels like a like a dangerous seasoning Ooh, maybe that's what it is it's like a superstitious thing yeah you, know, you gotta <laughs> put the bay leaf in but don't eat it uh then there's like certain technique things that uh again differ from like like tradition to tradition. There's a, a hot debate I didn't realize about uh like stewing the crawfish in salt water to like purge the impurities before you cook them. Some people think it's an essential part of the process. Some people think that is sacrilege because those impurities is mm, 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 mm. that's where the flavor is maybe <laughs> uh and then yeah when it's done cooking you boil it for a while you have to add the ingredients in a very specific order or else you'll make everybody very sick uh you dump it right out onto a big table lined with newspaper and people just fucking go to town on yeah. it that's the best part mm-hmm. i love eating just shit off a table that's so good and also you can read your stories You can read the funnies. You can do a little Sudoku. You can do a little Sudoku beneath your lemon mess that you've made. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's very, very strong to me. Uh, And I don't know. There's just something really, you don't eat food like this in any other circumstance. Uh, And just all the tradition to it. There's a boil master usually who's like, you know, there's the idea of the grill master, but the boil master is just like almost like a conductor, like a sausage conductor. They're like a, they're like a spices conductor because they have to let the things in at the right time because you're not doing a ton of stuff to it. Really, that's the most important part of the cooking process. Uh, And I just like it. It it, it really is ritualistic in a way that is so intriguing to me. Um, And yeah, I don't have a whole lot else to say. I found this... um, uh, there's a writer uh, on on Creole and Cajun cooking. His name is Howard Mitchum. And he had this anecdote that I found on the uh, Wikipedia page about seafood boils where he wrote about how like they used to do shrimp boils and crab boils back in the day, back in like the 60s. Uh, he wrote, uh, at our last big party, we boiled 400 pounds of shrimp and 400 fat crabs for 200 guests. And we drank eight. 30-gallon kegs of beer. For music, we had Kid Thomas and his Algiers Stompers, the famous old gut-bucket jazz group from Preservation Hall, and the Olympia Funeral Marching Band pretty rad party so far uh their technique was to use new 30 gallon galvanized garbage cans filled one third full of water and brought to boil with seasonings the shrimp were divided into 25 pound batches and stuffed into new pillowcases and tied off 25 pounds of shrimp took about 25 minutes to cook one batch came out and the next went in how's your fucking party howard it sounds pretty good it sounds like i'd like to be at it right now
0: That is incredible.
1: We are so, we haven't, you know, had a a small potluck dinner for two friends here at our house in, (laughs) you know, uh, seven months or whatever now. Uh, The idea of going to a party with 200 guests and like (sighs) listening to jazz music while gouging on 800 pounds of seafood. Oh, God.
0: Incredible. I would do
1: anything. What's your second thing?
0: My second thing is is the american hip-hop duo the cool kids
1: had not heard of the cool kids
0: yeah you know that's probably not too surprising they've only released two studio albums are they chicago based are they Uh, chicago yes primarily so um the members one of them is from michigan the other is from illinois but they kind of got their start in chicago
1: One of the music videos you sent me was like extremely, extremely Chicago, mostly because it (laughs) featured prominently a man in a Rom Emanuel mask uh, doing terrible things.
0: Um, This is a group I became familiar with because of their 2008 EP, The Bake Sale. Um, but they really, they really came up in Chicago. Their, their kind of origin story is, is so delightful. Um, I was in Chicago from like 2004 to 2007 and that's kind of right when they were getting their start and I just love their origin story so much. Um, they met through MySpace. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. uh the members are uh Antoine Sir Michael Rocks Reed and Evan Chuck English Ingersoll and what happened was um uh Reed found Ingersoll's beat on MySpace and wanted to talk about using it. And they ended up meeting uh, in 2005 and recording for two hours as a result. Uh, they both had kind of similar inspiration. Uh, they were really interested in this kind of golden age of hip hop, this like LL Cool J yeah. time period, which if you, for some context, when this EP came out that I loved, The Bake Sale, uh, in 2008, Kind of topping the charts back then was like Flo Rida, Lil Wayne, and Ti. Yeah, uh, so they were kind of recalling a time period that was starting to lose relevance yes, in the of mainstream. <laughs> um, and the part of the reason I like them so much is that is because of that, like LL Cool J time period. Like they are really interested in this idea of like you just rap about stuff that you like uh it's about who you are as an artist it's not like what's cool in the time
1: yeah you know? no i mean one of the songs that you sent me that i believe is from that very album is talking about playing street fighter on their sega genesis <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah so uh their first performance after they had started working together uh was at town hall pub in chicago did oh, you ever go there on oh Halstead? yeah of course i used to live in that lakeview area and i saw like improv shows and like weird little tiny indie rock bands there and so it was just kind of funny to have that as context like anybody could play there yeah sure <laughs> um but when they were there they happened to meet uh diplo <laughs> okay <laughs> who offered to release a mixtape of their unreleased tracks uh which kind of is how they got started is the mid-aughts when
1: justin timberlake bought, oh god i'm like misremembering all of this but i feel like didn't he like Acquire MySpace or something like that, and try to like make it now oh. like an independent music artist like.
0: That was the tail end thing. of MySpace for sure. Yeah. I remember there was like we're gonna breathe energy into this, uh, but it did not did okay. Not work. Yeah, I guess not. Um, so I wanted to, I wanted to play a song from the two thousand eight EP, but first I wanted to give just an example of some lyrics. Um, so this is not a song I am gonna play, but the song is called eighty eight. Uh, and it's about them just kind of riding around on like souped up bicycles. Okay. (laughs) Uh, and just to give you an example of kind of the lyricism, that's just like so incredible. So just reminder, I am not a hip hop artist myself.
1: No, you're not. So
0: I'm not going to do justice to this, but just to give you a sense of kind of the flow of it. Um, Ride past shorty, light-skinned with no melon in. Shirt looks like somebody stuffed two melons in. Had to stop, so I'll preach like reverend. I grip on the handbrake and say, what up? I skip on the handshakes. I'm straight. What else? I got two pegs on the back, and you got two legs under your skirt. So hop, we head. Whew. <laughs> That's so That's really good. That was like a miniature poetry corner. <laughs> I know. I couldn't help it. Um, the song I want to play that gives kind of a sense that Griffin reference is called A Little Bit Cooler.
1: I guess that makes you think. You're cooler than me, but any girl you could pull, I could pull them with ease, like the letter after D, not ecstasy. It's easy to me, yes, yes, indeed. It's hard to believe, but swallow it. So much game that I could put it in the bottle and sell it to lanes and getting graphics in your fade was fresh in the day. But it was Jack by the losers. I'm about to say screw it in, grow a Jerry
0: curl. So, with yeah, so this is just like them rapping about, you know, like Griffin said, like. Sega Genesis and Star Wars and um, kind of speaking to who they are. And they said they were really inspired by uh, Lupe Fiasco. Okay, yeah. Who they said, I read this interview with them, uh, and they said uh, they were inspired by him because he was, quote, a black dude who wore glasses, had a song about skateboarding, and was into anime films.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Where is Lupe Fiasco?
0: What's
1: What's his thing now?
0: I don't know. Is he still doing it? I don't know. God, I like... There was just this explosion in Chicago, like, around the time that, like, Kanye West and Chance the Rapper were coming up, uh, that a lot of those artists... Like, for example, the Cool Kids went on this huge hiatus. So their first full-length album didn't come out till 2011. Uh, It was called Wind Fish Ride Bicycles. Um, And a lot of that was because they associated themselves with the label that made it very difficult for them to put content out. Yeah, sure. Um, so they became this kind of huge phenomenon that 2008 EP was supposed to be right before the release of this album, but then it ended up taking, you know, three years for it to come out. But meanwhile, they inspired a lot of artists like Chance the Rapper. Um, and, uh, In between the Fish Ride Bicycles album that came out in 2011, there was uh, six years (laughs) where they just did some solo stuff. And they said a lot of that reason was that they could not get together and put out content without having to pay a bunch of people through their label. And so they just started doing a lot of solo stuff. So uh, English was working with uh, some guys from TV on the radio, um, and then... uh, you know, they were just doing a lot of a lot of solo work and then that was finally in 2017 was when their second album came out which was special edition Grandmaster Deluxe uh, so one of them was living in LA and one of them was in Chicago and so they were putting this album together basically across the country together yeah. um, but they still have a lot you know a lot of creative juice there and so I wanted to play something off of their more recent album that came out in 2017 uh, the song is Check Out
1: Get to it up. They said the wise coming through. Let him know when I get it. Hey, yo, we coming up a level. the rollies lose value when you ice up the best.
0: And this is the one that Griffin... the
1: aforementioned <laughs> Ram Emanuel this track. For a second I thought it was um. Uh, Rowan Atkinson. I thought it was supposed <laughs> to. I thought the mask that is featured in this music video was Mr. Bean, which would have been a weird. Like, why are these two gentlemen so critical of Mr. Bean? But it's um, it, it is Rama. It is Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel.
0: Um, the the lyricism is so great. Uh, the the music is just really. It just feels really fresh every time I hear it. Um, and I would recommend checking it out. You can. I mean, when you hear that artists like Chance the Rapper were inspired by the cool kids. like, oh, yeah, no, I get it.
1: Yeah. Do you want to know what our friends at home are talking about? Yes. So do I. Nelly says, something I find wonderful is the pan flip whenever I am sauteing veggies or making something bigger, like fresh toast or grilled cheese. Sending my food, I think maybe French toast or grilled cheese. Uh, Sending my food flying through the air with a simple flick of the wrist and catching it back in the pan never fails to make me feel like a master chef. The fact that I don't have to clean a spoon or spatula is an added bonus. Ooh. Oh, the pan flip. Love the pan flip. I need
0: to like practice this in a low stakes environment because I feel like I only am trying it in a situation where if the meal ends up on the counter, I'll be very disappointed.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love it. I love a good pan flip I know, but for you. this very reason, but also because like there are certain types of things flat foods that when you're pan frying them and you want to get a good cook on both sides of them going through and individually like making sure each piece gets turned around is such a pain in the ass yeah. and it's so much easier to just flip that shit in the pan
0: oh french french toast is a good idea right like because nobody just makes one piece of french toast i feel like you could really you could do it's some work So
1: big mm. it's so big you really got to use some leverage to mm-hmm. get such a big boy flipped over i'm talking about little pieces of beef anyway Here's a, (laughs) Curtis says, I've always found waterbeds especially wonderful. I'm not even sure if people make them anymore, but laying on one of these things was a pretty whimsical experience as a child.
0: Gosh, do you, do you have waterbed memories? No, I feel like
1: I had a family member. I had like an aunt who had like waterbeds that. I, th- I think I've maybe slept on them fewer than like five times or something. Oh like
0: yeah, that. even less for
1: me. Not good, not a good sleeping experience. Not a particularly
0: supportive experience. No,
1: a it's- loud experience too. <laughs> a lot of gooshing and whooshing. Uh it is whimsical. It is fun, I'll give you that. But also like water gets funky. Yeah, like pretty fast.
0: I'm not entirely sure how it worked. Uh you know, like how did you have to change The water, how did the the water not leak? I assume eventually it would leak.
1: It's just when you hear about mattresses these days, it's usually like we got together with top rocket scientists to create this nano weave. To me, the waterbed feels like they didn't consult any sort of scientific community. It was just like somebody was blowing up water balloons with their kid and they're like, hey, what if we made this big and you (laughs) slept on it? Like, would that be comfortable? Who gives a shit? (laughs) Let's do it. Uh, hey, thank you to, for for listening. Thank you to everybody who came out to support us in the Max Fund Drive. the The turnout was absolutely amazing yeah, and it completely was, blew us away.
0: We were not anticipating much because it is a very difficult time to project anything into the future. Yes, so the fact that people are like, "Yes, I will, I will give a monthly donation." I was like, "Hey, good for so you!" So amazing.
1: Um, and thank you to Bowen and Augustus for these for our theme song. Money won't pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. And thank you to MaxFun for having us on the network. Go to MaximumFun.org. Check out all the great shows there. Shows like around Springfield and... Heat Rocks. Heat Rocks and so many more. MaximumFun.org. And I think that's it, huh?
0: What position do you find most comfortable now with back?
1: The position I'm in right now is sort of a very, very dense question mark that I've sort of (laughs) turned my butt. It doesn't feel very good to be sitting right now. Um. So I'm gonna stop the podcast right now and lay flat on the just ground. Just lay fucking flat, man. Yeah, that'll be good. And we can maybe we could do a little light as a feather, stiff as a board.
0: Ooh, Ooh a little craft. Should I get Henry in here? Too?
1: Yeah, get Henry in here. Let's do. It. Let's get crafty. <laughs> <laughs>